All right, guys. Welcome to Car Thoughts with David. I am your host, as always, David Cowart, and I've got another great interview coming your way. Uh, we have Mike Sano. He is a speaker, a publisher, an author of three books, uh, Brother's Hand, Miles of Files, and Jana, or Jana, I'm not sure if I got that one right. I forgot to ask you about that. <laughs> but, Mike, if you'd like to uh, to introduce yourself, and we'll go ahead and start this interview up. Hey, thanks, David. It's great to be here. Yeah, I, I love the question about that. You know, it's very funny. That that novel, I uh, that name is J-A-N-A, and most people pronounce that name Jana. And when I wrote it, I thought it should be pronounced Jana and didn't know any better. <laughs> so I, I kind of am at the point where, eh, I don't care. They can call whatever they want to call. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, yeah, and um... – so from what I understand, you actually published all three of these yourself. You have a publishing uh, you know, studio or a publishing company that you started. Is that correct? I did, yeah. Typically, my awareness of self-publishing has grown a lot over the past few years. And right around 2014, when I launched the company, I did this with the intention of publishing all three of my first three novels together simultaneously which sounded like a great marketing idea, but in retrospect was actually totally insane. And uh, what I did, rather than just go on Amazon and just publish strictly on that platform or go through a traditional publisher, try to find a traditional publisher, which I had done previously, I decided to create a publishing company as an LLC and use that as the platform for launching the books. So Amazon is just one of my distribution channels, along with Barnes and Noble and Kobo and so forth. So even though I'm not self-published, excuse me, even though I'm not published on the level where you can just walk into your local store necessarily and find one of my books, depending on where you live, you might find one in a library system. Uh, you might find them online, depending on where you shop, in uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and now Walmart, thanks to the Kobo connection. You can get them online at their website. So it just depends on how you like to shop. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's one of the nice things about self-publishing is you might not find it in a traditional store, but there are other, uh, definitely other avenues that it can be found or places your books can be found. Um, so it's not sure. just like you go to one place and you're done. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, typically people like to pick up a book and flip through it and start reading a little bit of it before they make an evaluation. I mean, a lot of times people will do that at least. And anyone who wants to do that, Amazon at least offers that look inside feature so you can go to the ebook version, click on it, read the first page or three, whatever it is, and then make the decision there. And Sometimes people buy without having done that, but you don't have to flip through a, a manually flip through a paperback in order to get a glimpse into the beginning of any of the books. Right, yeah. Yeah, I know, and uh, I like, for in, instance, uh, Apple iBooks, uh, they actually let you pick, um, you know, what you want to allow as the preview. So, like, on the books that I've published through them, I actually just let them read through the whole first chapter of the book, which I thought was kind of a cool feature that they let you do that, like actually pick yeah. what you want to share. So. Sure. Yeah, and that's that, that's pretty cool. So so aside from that, you know, it sounds like you really love to write. I know that you've written a lot of a lot of articles on uh, LinkedIn and different places. Um, you know, what really got you into writing? What was that 
how did you come to becoming a writer? Well, I think I always was a writer, even when I wasn't doing it for a living. And I went through a period of years, like a lot of writers do, where I had that sort of imposter syndrome that you talk about, where you're telling people you're a writer, you want to tell people you're a writer, but you're not getting paid to do it. And so you feel self-conscious about even bringing it up. Uh, But even before I was writing professionally, I was someone who would sit there and write a poem or a song day after day for periods of time every single morning uh, when I was in high school. And I I was a good enough artist that I got nominated for class artist in high school, but I didn't deserve to win, and I was glad because all the other three guys, they had a gal and a guy for each category, and the guys who were also nominated were all better than me, so I was glad I didn't win that. Uh, but I was also nominated for class poet, and I did win that, and my thinking was that I totally deserved to. <laughs> uh, and I went on to, you know, I had to make the evaluation, am I going to be uh, pursuing English or pursuing art? And by the time I was a senior in, in high school, I already knew that I was going to be going to college and be an English major and study literature and write write stuff. <laughs> stuff. Very elegant way of putting it. And uh, so I went through straight through college and straight through grad school and walked out of uh, grad school at age 24 with a master's in English literature with a certificate in writing. So I was already there even before I got paid anything to do it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and, and that's so true, like you said, about the imposter syndrome is that, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, fear that. They're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not making money, so can I really call myself a writer? And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of people that holds them back because they have this preconceived notion of what an author, what a writer, uh, you know, what a poet uh, should be. And then they think, well, that's not me because I'm not at this level. I'm not, you know. Rockstar certified or whatever, you know, you're not being paid, not whatever, whatever you want to call it, however you want to, you know, quantify it. You're not at that level. Well, yeah, and you know, here's the thing. In, in a way, it's like being a painter or some other kind of visual artist. If you're doing this stuff and you're not getting paid to do it by anybody, then you definitely are it, because you got to do it first before anyone's ever going to pay you for it. Most likely, I mean, unless you're a Hollywood star and somebody decides to offer you a book deal uh in the real world as a general rule people who are creatives who are writing stuff they're just doing it because they're compelled to do it they want to do it they need to do it they got something to share they're trying to create a work of art and people like that are in that mindset where they're thinking oh I'm I'm this and I want to be this but I I don't know if I can call myself this because it's not my job. It's not. It's not bringing me a paycheck, and and th- I understand why they feel that because I felt that for years. But it's really kind of incorrect. If if you're doing it and you're not getting paid to do it, then of course you're a writer. I mean, <laughs> why else would you do it for no pay, right? I mean, that's you know you're hoping to get paid someday, but that's not your primary goal. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, and that's that's the thing, you know. I mean, not a lot of people sign up to volunteer to work for free. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. You're, if you're if you're doing it for free, then yeah, you're definitely it. I agree 100 percent on that. 
Well, yeah, you know, the thing is, you're going to do it whether you're getting paid or not. That's really what exactly. a writer is to me, and that's what a yeah. painter is, and that's what a musician is. They're going to do it one way or the other, and if they can get paid for it, that's ideal. But even if they're not getting paid, it doesn't mean the work isn't good or it's not valid. And that's why self-publishing now, now that it's become much more respected, it's good that we can do that and not have to worry about XYZ company is going to take on my project because they think they can make a bunch of money off it. They're not going to pick you up unless they think they can make a bunch of money. But that's not a reflection of how quality the work is or isn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the, you know, a book, uh, you know, can be – you know, I've read, I've read many, many books and uh, ones that were made from major publishers, and I'm just like, how did this get here? How did this make <laughs> it to the shelf? And then I've read some books that were, like, written by friends I knew and they self-published, and I'm like, how is this not on the shelf in place of that other book? So, yeah, I've definitely seen both sides of that. Um, sure, yeah, it's, it's all about marketing. It's all about – you know, do they think that they have a big enough audience that, that they're not going to take a hit? And some of them take a little chance on a few, but as a general rule, they're looking at the bottom line and saying, yeah, we can sell this. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and and self-publishing is just so accessible now, too. I mean, there's there's so many applications and systems that you can go through and places you can go through once you figure out where all of those places are <laughs> right, <laughs> and fill right. out all the requisite paperwork, then you're okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've self-published uh, several books recently, and, I mean, it, it was really actually simple. It was just a matter of uh, figuring out the how, you know, going through the process. Sure. So, I mean, uh, as far as uh, – as far as being a publisher uh, or, you know, trying to start that publishing business, was there any particular motivation behind that uh, as far as did you – were you still going through, like, Amazon and all of those places? I'm just curious about that a little bit. Uh, or was it more of uh, you had your own publishing business and that was, uh, you know, it just reached out to all those other places? Uh, ultimately, it was because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just under the control of one of the distribution channels. So Amazon, distribution channel, iTunes, whatever it is, these are all distribution channels, and they offer there's different pros and cons for each of them. But I got a hold of a book by a guy who was a former writer for Rolling Stone, and he had done something comparable to what I ended up doing which was he started his own publishing company rather than just go on Amazon or somewhere else and just upload stuff and have them have some creative control. So literally I am the publisher and I'm also the author who gets paid the royalty by the publisher. So I don't really worry all that much about what Amazon's rules and regulations are with what they're paying out or any of that because there's just one of multiple distribution channels for me. And so what I did was I looked at the different options and I decided that uh, LLC, a limited liability company, would be the way that I would want to go, partly for simplicity and also partly just because I, I just weighed the pros and cons of the other options and decided that that one had the largest number of, of pros and the smallest number of cons. And when I went ahead and pulled the trigger on publishing the novels, 
I was able to do it when I wanted to do it. I was able to use these distribution channels like Amazon in the way that I chose to. And so I wasn't trapped within their their uh, environment or their network, whatever you want to call that. Um, and, again, there are pros and cons of being on there. If I were just on there and they had some exclusivity and I was using an Amazon ISBN for any one or more of my books, uh, there are some pros to that, which would be if you get X number of reviews, they'll re- they'll promote you more, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but to me, the cons outweighed the pros, so I just chose not to do that. And I've reevaluated it recently, and I've still decided to stick with my existing model just because of issues that people sometimes run into with the print versions of books that are strictly through Amazon. Um, As a small publishing company, when you set up a small publishing company like I did, you're actually being asked by IngramSpark, do you you think you'll be publishing one to two titles per year or three to ten or whatever? They actually have you pick a category. And I picked whatever the small category was. And then when somebody purchases one of my books, through Amazon, instead of getting it all from Amazon, Amazon is actually then going to IngramSpark, and then they're getting the book from IngramSpark. So it's pretty weird the way that works if you're not an Amazon-only author. Uh, but I, I just thought it was the best model, and I've I've been in that setup now since the end of 2015 when I launched the company. And I still use that actual same business entity for my other writing that I do for people. So if somebody pays me to ghostwrite a book for them, they're going to write the check to Sano Publishing. It goes to the same account that my royalties go to when Ingram Spark pays me royalties. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. So, yeah, and that's – I think that's important, and thank you for sharing that because, I mean, anybody who's thinking about self-publishing a book that listens to this, you know, it's important to know that there are things you probably need to look at as far as, uh, you know, what what you're willing to live with from however you're publishing your book uh, when you're doing self-publishing. So, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like social media. Like some people decide, oh, i got to have a Facebook page, and that's where I'm going to put all my time and my energy is promoting my business by way of my Facebook page. And I understand you got to have a Facebook page if you're seriously running a business. You, people will look, some people will look at your Facebook page before they make a decision whether or not to do business with you. Okay, that's fine. But here's the thing. What if Facebook went away tomorrow? You don't have a website? Your website was your Facebook page? <laughs> you know, that doesn't work. Right. So I kind of look at the various distribution channels in a similar way. Amazon has its place. They're kind of the 800-pound gorilla in the room now, and I'm certainly not out to fight them. I'm glad that I get most of my ebook sales via Amazon, but I'm not willing to put myself under their control as if I were an employee, which is kind of how I base that's that's kind of how I view their their uh, KDPP program or whatever it's called, because there are there are benefits to it, but the downside is probably pretty strong like if you have an ISBN number from Amazon and then you want to use that book and you know say okay I'm going to put this book in uh, Barnes and Noble and I'm going to approach so and so 
nope, sorry, you can't do it. You got to go out and get a new ISPN number. You can't. And I don't even think Amazon lets you do that during the first year. But but I'm not sure. I mean, I shouldn't actually say that. Don't quote me on that, people. I might be wrong. Because <laughs> I don't oh, know. I'm not in that. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Always always check the fine print. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. I mean, and that that's totally you know true because I mean, there's there's so many different options out there, and um, you know, it, it's best to go with what works for you. And if you're not planning to publish out to other distribution channels, then that works, you know. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, and, and of course, you know. There's plenty of other things you can do and, and other smaller, like, local publishers that you can work with as well, you know, so there's that too. So, so yeah, I mean, that's – there's a lot of information out there. I mean, I can't imagine that any of the major – any writers that I've read in the last year would probably even have a book 20 years ago just because of how prohibitive it was compared to, right, uh, right. Compared to now. Sure. Now, um you had mentioned ghostwriting. Uh, what what does that look like for you? I mean, how do people, you know, since I'm, you know, fairly new to writing myself, but as far as ghostwriting, like, so how does that work, or how do people approach you, or how did you fall into that? Is that just something you were like, oh, I can do this for people, or is that something you were actually asked to do? In a way, I was. Uh, the, the story with that is pretty bizarre. I, I had just launched the business, and – I was used to being an employee, and I was used to just telling people I'm a writer, and I write. I've written some novels, and I I do this marketing writing for for uh, medical professionals and so forth. But it was a lot of articles, and it, so there were a lot of articles, and there were these novels that weren't yet officially published anywhere. And so I'm I had just published the novels, and then I went to this conference, and I was telling people there that I was a writer. And there are a couple hundred people there, and I talked to about 40 or 50 of them over a three-day period while I was while we were all at the conference. And I would tell them what I did, and I didn't have an elevator pitch or anything. I didn't even know what that was because I'd been in business for like a month. <laughs> and so they would say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a writer, and I'd talk a little. And they kind of nod sort of wisely, and they would say, Mike, have you ever thought about uh, ghostwriting books for business owners who need a book as kind of an extended business card? And I go, oh, that sounds no. I should look into that. That sounds like a good, good thing to think about. And then about two hours later, I'd be talking to some other dude, <laughs> and they would literally hear what I had to say about writing, and they would look at me and say almost the exact same stuff. Mike, have you ever thought about uh, ghostwriting books for entrepreneurs who needed a book to expand their authority, reach, and influence? It was this kind of thing. And I heard this from six or seven different people, all independent of each other, over a three-day period. Like, by the time I got to the, maybe the fourth one, I thought, am I on some sort of candid camera thing? Are they all pals? <laughs> like, is this a prank? It, it was really shocking how many people actually said this. They just came up with this great idea, and they all kept doing it, and they were all business owners, and small business owners and entrepreneurs. So I flew back from California and said, okay, message received. And then I had to start looking for, for clients, and so I got one, and then I got another one. And the guy, not, not the last book that I did, which is not out yet, but the one before that was a guy who's a uh, business owner, uh, business coach out in Missouri. And he had me help him write his book. He had some content, and I created a bunch as well. 
And when we put this book out, he put it out. Once I was done, I turned it over to him, and he did however his publishing was set up. And I, it might have just been Amazon. I don't even know. But in the first week or two after he published it, the book hit number one on Amazon in one of the categories that it was in. So I've been telling everybody I talked to ever since. <laughs> So, uh, you know, instantly I go from ghostwriter who's anonymous to number one, you know, Amazon number one ghostwriter. And the book I'm just now finishing up uh, is uh, for a client of mine who's a retired NFL pro. And that's not going to have my name on it anywhere. It might might not even be in the uh, dedication or whatever if they create one. And that, that's okay, but he's actually going to be sending me some, some ghostwriting clients now because he loves what I do and he's happy with the result. And So I, I don't advertise it in a traditional sense, like going out and spending a lot of dollars on ad campaigns. I tend to do networking and one-on-one conversations and appearances on, on podcasts like yours and, and so forth. And so... I do end up getting new business from that. Some are for books and some are just for smaller content like blog posts and articles, marketing articles and that sort of thing. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's really a good way to get, you know, get clients is by word of mouth and referrals and, you know, and, and, you know, if you get, you know, once you hit like, you know, number one Amazon ghostwriter, <laughs> you know, the the clients will start rolling in. You don't really have to spend a lot of money and on, on that. And, you know, because you, know, you can just get, you know, more and more people will hear your name and you're out there. And so I mean, that's, that's really cool. Cause yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, definitely an interesting story because, uh, you know, I, I would think that too. I'd be like, okay, where's the camera? Are these guys all texting each other? <laughs> I've had yeah. six people tell me I should be a ghostwriter. Um, yeah, that, that'd definitely be, uh, very interesting. I have a, not quite the same, but a, a, a similar story. I just recently actually set up a MySpace page for this podcast. Really? <laughs> and, Is that still a thing? Uh, yeah, believe it or not, it still exists, even though everybody wow. probably thought it was gone. You know, and we were just, you were just mentioning about how Facebook might not be around forever. I mean, we all thought MySpace wouldn't be around forever either. Uh, sure. or I mean, would be. Um, but yeah, I actually heard like two or three people talking about MySpace and I'm like, wait, isn't that just for music now? And these people were not music people. They weren't musicians. They weren't producers. They weren't any of this stuff. And I'm like, huh, I'm going to check out MySpace. So I actually made a ad page for my podcast on MySpace. I was like, what's the worst going to happen? I get a couple extra listens. I mean, if I don't want to use it again, I don't have to. And sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Why not? I mean, if it goes out of business tomorrow, I'm kind of surprised it's still here being 2019 and all, but, <laughs> but yeah. Wow, that's so, who great. knows? Maybe it'll work. Yeah, yeah, why not? You know, I mean, you try different things, and some things work and some don't, and I, I just keep plugging away based on my experience and based on what's happened in the past. I, I would like it as a writer. I'm, obviously, I'm not going to be the most sociable extroverted person i spent a lot of time by myself working in front of a computer and and so i i don't take joy in going out to a bunch of networking events all the time but a lot of times people want to have that connection if they're going to have you write stuff for them so i'll meet somebody face to face we set up a one-on-one meeting or we set up a phone conference 
and we talk for a while. They get to know, like, and trust me a little bit, and they decide, you know what? I like this guy. I like what he writes. I like, I kind of like the cut of his jib, <laughs> and then they hire me to do the work. I mean, they can hire somebody else if they want to, but they're not necessarily going to get the value that I'm that I'm going to offer and get the follow-up that I offer because I do something of a personalized service. And people are moving more and more toward that in business in general. They kind of want to know the person a little. They want to feel like they're paying somebody who they – they like the person. They like the company. They There's a there's more of a connection there than just a, a transactional kind of thing. Very true. Yeah, I mean, and, and that – like you can see that in like, uh, you know, Starbucks is maybe busy, but these little boutique coffee shops that are popping up all over the country are like, you know, people go and hang out at them for just as long, if not longer, than Starbucks because they they like that mom and pop small business personalization that they don't get from Starbucks. Where Starbucks, they're just going through an assembly line basically yeah. <laughs> for coffee. Um, well, it's, it it's, might have gotten us addicted. I'm sorry, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh no, I, that, that's yeah. I was just gonna say they might have got us addicted, but. You know, uh, these these newer shops are definitely taking the the customers away. You know, sure. But yeah, so um, you know, thank you for all this information, man. And and was there any questions you had for me, or any any uh, anything you wanted to share as far as um, tips or anything for aspiring writers or people how they can get in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I always tell people just keep plugging away. If you're if you're a writer and you're not published yet, but you're planning to be published, you're going to find a way to do that. Just I even tell people just take that word aspiring right out of your bio. If you're a writer, if you say you're a writer because you're writing stuff, you're a writer. No one's going to really be able to take that away from you. And as far as me and getting in touch with me, the one of the few benefits of having a name like Sano, which is People don't even know how to pronounce it when they see it, even though it's spelled phonetically, S-A-H-N-O. It's not a name like Smith, which is so common that you can't really just use it easily. That's your name. But if you Google my last name, S-A-H-N-O, the first page of Google results should get you pretty much nothing but results for me, maybe a couple other people. But it's pretty easy to find me. So. My website, msano.com, and if people want to call, text, however they want to get in touch with me, connect with me on social media, that's fine. I've got a contact form on my website people can fill out if they want to get in touch about something in particular. Uh, Because it's author, speaker, publisher, people sometimes want to get in touch with me about writing. Sometimes they want to talk to me about having uh, me come speak, or if they're interested in my novels, they can go on the various distribution channels like Amazon and, and buy my books, but I'm also launching another novel. Finally, I got a, a fourth book that I'm – it's my work in progress, and it's going to be wrapped up. I'll have a first draft done by the end of March, and, and honestly, it'll, it's, it's going to be very solid. It, it's not going to be a first draft. It'll be, it'll be a draft that's pretty near ready because uh, I've already rewritten some of this stuff. So – that book is coming out later this year, and I'm actively seeking people to join the launch team and participate in that, and there's an opportunity to get a free autographed copy. and So all that good stuff's happening. So follow me on social media, call me, whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm good. Just get in touch. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, it has been a uh, pleasure having you on the show, man, and getting to know you here and to learn more about about writing. Uh, part of my show is about trying to get people to take those first steps on their journey, whether it be, you know, whatever entrepreneurial dreams they have. So I try and, you know, find people to educate, to share, to share their stories and where they came from so that people can say, oh, you know what, maybe I can do that and kind of get over that fear. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, so, I appreciate it. It's been great being here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Hey, everybody. David here from Car Thoughts with David, and I just wanted to share some information with you. You guys have heard me talk about finding your way, finding your path, and starting your journey. Well, if you have decided that you want to start your own podcast, you might be thinking, well, David, that's great, but what do I do? How do I do this? You know, what works? What doesn't work, right? Well, I wrote a book because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them. And that's all well and good, but sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Shared. You can pick it up on Amazon on Kindle for 99 cents, less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can you know, keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So... By all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you guys, and I could not do any of this without your support, so when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.